Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a creating God, a loving God, and a speaking God. So speak to us through your word, by your spirit this morning we ask. Amen. So we're reading this morning the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes 11, which you can find on page 678 if you're using one of the church Bibles. So Ecclesiastes 11, starting at verse 1. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind, or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening, let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Uh, Thanks, Lizzie. just say I didn't want you to miss out entirely on the testimonies this afternoon, so uh, I've included uh, a paragraph from each of them within the sermon today because they all actually helpfully reflect, amazingly, God's word. Um, So uh, we'll be able to enjoy those later. And if you'd like to take their testimonies away, uh, there are 200 of them here. Uh, But just take one because we'll need them this afternoon as well. Um, Let me pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, We thank you that all of your word is useful for us. Uh, It has everything we need for salvation and all good works. And so we pray now as we we look at this passage, you would speak to us by your spirit, through your word, for your glory and for our good. May we see you and may we trust in you all the more. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, Uh, For just £4,000, you can already choose the sex of your baby. That is a true fact. Three, there's three, I think there's three um, cities in the country that can do it already. Uh, We as human beings have sort of unraveled the mysteries of DNA uh, so that it won't be long before you can just choose the hair colour or the skin colour of your children too. Uh, DNA experimentation will continue to resolve all sorts of diseases and complications. Uh, We live in a time, if you like, where sort of utopia, perfection, uh, is on the way. If we just fix a few more problems, we'll be there. Control 
is in our hands. And we love control. Uh, The internet allows us uh, to communicate with the entire world in milliseconds. The financial markets are such that we can, we can control money anywhere in the world. Phones allow us to know the exact location of anybody we love at any time and speak to them or message them. Control is in our hands and we love control. Only uh, hasn't control the kind of let's fix all the problems been the ambition of most of human history? Uh, wasn't the telephone surely one way we would hope to eradicate loneliness? Wasn't the nuclear bomb uh, a weapon of control that would stop others waging war against us or anyone else? Wasn't the mobile phone an invention that would mean we would keep every child safe? Wasn't the never-ending medical research the idea that would bring long life and health to all? Or, Or universal credit to eradicate poverty? And yet, there's wars in Europe and around our world, there's online grooming, there's COVID-19, there's a financial crisis. We love control, but it's not in our hands. Uh, That's the context of this little sort of chapter in Ecclesiastes. In fact, it's a theme you can see throughout Ecclesiastes uh, uh, that we've been working through over these last few months. And this book keeps reminding us we are not in control. Have a look at verse 3 of our passage, chapter 11, verse 3. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, I don't know which way that actually is, uh, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. In other words, when did we stop the rain raining? Or, Or when did we control which way the winds blew to control which way the tree fell and where it would lie and that's where it will be? We are not in control. Uh, We feel it most, I think, when things in life go wrong or are hard, don't we? That's when we know we're not in control. But when life is good or or it's easy, we're blind to it. When life takes a turn, we know we don't know. We're not in control, are we? Uh, There's families here uh, in this room whose mothers are unwell, Uh, We have our Warm Spaces initiative on the high street because we want people to find friendship and and warmth and people to talk to because we love people, but people need love. There are some here struggling with financial uh, issues or or struggling with parenting or, or struggling with mental health. We're not in control. Uh, And then we reach this chapter and... uh, The teacher of this book applies this idea to business and investments. Uh, I'm not a financial advisor, so please seek any professional advice before you hear anything I say. But have a look at verse 1 and 2. The teacher says this. Ship your grain across the seas. After many days you will receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Uh, at first, it seems like he, he's almost offering contradictory investment advice. Uh, if you cast your mind back, uh, not many of us will remember this, 6,000 years ago, uh, the sea trade was a tricky and risky business. Uh, but the teacher here says, you know what, give it a go anyway. 
It's a high-risk investment, but give it a go. Cast your sea on the grain, he says. You're not in control, uh, and you need to earn a living, so you just never know. But, given the risk, he then says, verse 2, on the high seas, with your grain, also invest on the safety of land. And in fact, don't even take a big risk there. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Invest in seven or or eight different ventures. Diversify. Spread your risk. Why? Because you're not in control. What will be, will be. If it's going to rain, it's going to rain. If the tree's going to fall, it's going to fall. Uh, Your sea trade, despite the risk, might come good and be very rewarding. Uh, Your land investments, despite, despite being stable, might still fail and leave you with nothing. Uh, It's still true today, isn't it? People uh, do not know the future. We're not in control. Uh, 60% of startup businesses fail within the first three years. That means more than more than that means most people are wrong about what they think the future will hold. Uh, In America, it's 90%, but we're not going to talk too much about that. Uh, In fact, half a million companies fail every year in the UK. We just don't know how things will turn out. Spread your investments, take some risk, but spread your investments. The alternative, verse 4, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Uh, Every farmer throughout history, it's still the same today, is at the mercy of the weather. But if you think you can control or read the times and the weather, you'd never plant or plough. In other words, take no risk at all and you'll have nothing. Take too big a risk, and you might win big, or if you put everything on the, on the ship and the grain on the seas. But seriously, uh, it's more like playing the lottery. No, uh, diverse, Diversify, for we are not in control, he says. Uh, that's why at school, uh, you start learning about everything, don't you? Absolutely everything. The whole breadth. And then you slowly, with time and age and wisdom, uh, narrow down to perhaps three A-levels. It's why financial institutions uh, don't invest everything in just one stock. Uh, Or it's why bigger businesses spread their supply chain so that if one factory or one company fails, they've got other options to keep themselves going. Uh, In in Ecclesiastes times, it it might have looked like owning some sheep, selling some some of their wool, selling some of them for meat. Uh, They'd have had maybe a grain field, perhaps invest in a vineyard, you know, keep people going in the the winter. Uh, They'd have traded with the Silk Road traders and they'd have shipped grain on the boats. Now this is all good advice and it's exactly probably not why you thought you'd come to church today. But that is not the important point. The big point is we are not in control. Given that point, yes, do things wisely. But the big point is we are not in control. Uh, Verse 5 says this. uh, As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Just because you're not in control, it just drops in this reminder, doesn't mean no one is in control. God is in control. It's funny, isn't it, though? Uh, 
you would think that God would make the world easy to understand and predict, wouldn't you? If we're not in control, but God is, uh, you would think he'd want our investments to all work out. You'd think the weather would cycle predictably and pat- in certain patterns so that the crops would never fail and people would never go hungry. You'd think boats would never sink with your grain on it. You'd think people wouldn't get sick. It's easy to see we're not in control, but perhaps we think it's harder to accept that there is a God who is in control. Uh, is he having a laugh? Is he just mean? Is he just indifferent, flying around up there, oblivious to us all? Why does anyone believe in or want to know a God like this? Why would uh, those five teenagers who this afternoon are going to give their first public testimony and be baptised, why would they give their life to a God who is in control but controls the world to be like this. Well, I can tell you why. Because they've shared their testimonies with me already, and they're printed on this piece of paper, so you can take them home later, just one. Uh, And each of them testifies without prompting and direction. We we went through the gospel, the, the, the basics of the gospel, but we didn't direct them in this way. Each of them testifies... Uh, that it is their own lack of control, their anxiety, their challenges, their fear, their own failings, their own sin. It is those very things that has driven them to see that they cannot save themselves uh, through their own control. In other words, perhaps God's lack of uh, sorry, perhaps what looks like God's lack of control, perhaps our difficult lives are here and allowed by God so that we recognise our need for him. Uh, Before I tell you what uh, they say on their testimonies, just imagine the opposite. Imagine a world uh, where everything is just as you wanted it. Everything is in your control. Everything goes right. Not one of us would need God, would we? Not one of us would think for a second, oh, I need God. I need something bigger than this. We just wouldn't need him. But in, instead, we live in a world where we are not in control. God is. Uh, God has not desired the suffering and the evil we face. Uh, we've brought that on ourselves, the Bible tells us, uh, because we've turned our backs on him. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, and ver- uh, Romans 6.23, and the wages of sin is death. It's like this world is a slow walk towards death. Not to utopia and perfection, as many of us think it should be, but to our judgment before God. And God allows it. Why? Because it's a gracious warning. He's saying, come back to me. Come back to me. You cannot fix this yourself. So I'm going to allow these things to continue because it's my way of saying, come back to me. Uh, Caleb Gill writes uh, this. One verse that has really encouraged me is John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me, in Jesus, you may have peace. Uh, 
in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then he says he he likes that verse because it reminds him. uh, Let me read his word. It, It reminds me that even through, though there are trials, God is always in control. And I don't need to do anything myself. God is in control. Take heart, says the Bible, says Caleb Gill. Uh, this isn't a kind of naive faith uh, these, that these young people testify to. There is substance. Uh, there is hope for them and for all who put their faith in Jesus. Uh, James Doran uh, puts it like this, uh, speaking about his hard times at school that uh, drove him back to God. He writes this. In what, uh, one verse in particular I came to was John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This gave me hope in a dark time to realise God sent his Son to die for us, so we can turn to him with our worries and anxieties. As it says in 1 Peter 5-7, cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Uh, Jesus, God became man, gave up the glory of heaven to become a man, didn't he? To live in this world that is out of our control. But Jesus committed no sin. He was the perfect man and he gave his life to pay the price of our own sin. So Caleb, Gil, forgiven of his sins, freed from the fear of this world because Jesus lived it and got it right for him. James Doran cast his anxieties on Jesus, forgiven, and trusts in the Lord for a future that is ruled by as God intended, eternal life when Jesus returns. Uh, Angel, uh, some of you won't know that fairly new to the church, writes this. Uh, this verse showed up in 2021 during COVID years, which was a time in my life when I really needed God. I'd just moved to boarding school and having to adjust to a completely new environment, losing some friendships and losing my cat, I completely lost my meaning. I had realised that everything was temporary and pointless. Sounds like Ecclesiastes. And then she quotes this verse, Isaiah 41, verse 10. So, based on that, so, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It is the righteousness of God that gives us hope in this world we can't control. Not ourselves, but his. And his control leads us to him now and reassures us that he will restore all things to perfection for those who trust in Jesus when Jesus returns or we die, whichever comes first. Uh, Jack Hutton captures it all like this. He says, uh, his, Jesus's selfless sacrifice once and for all on the cross for someone with infinite failures and shortcomings is almost unbelievable. Jesus' selfless sacrifice once and for all on the cross for someone with infinite failures and shortcomings is almost unbelievable. 
I have found that I truly have come to see both who God is and his love for me as a sinner, even though I deserve nothing. I didn't earn his forgiveness and I didn't deserve it. But all I need, is, need to do is accept his wonderful gift of God's grace and commit to serving him faithfully now and forever. In a world where we have no control, where we have to diversify our investments, not take too much risk but take some, where we cannot uh, avoid the dark sides of this life, don't we just marvel at what Jesus offers us? that he gives us life and hope both now and forever, he is in control. Uh, What a relief to know that as the world brings failed crops. Or the pleasing light and that sweetness of verse 7. Either way, good or bad, we have Jesus who saves us from judgment, delivers us into the hands of the only one who does have control in safety, the Lord God Almighty. Uh, The relief of the truth of the gospel of Jesus uh, is evident in James Sharp's testimony. Uh, He writes this, uh, speaking of uh, a time on uh, one of his summer camps. They showed me Romans 10 verse 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what we've been thinking about. And he, he says this, I was so relieved that I broke down in tears, tears of joy, knowing that I didn't have to do anything other than believe to be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, We cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things, as we've seen from Ecclesiastes here. But we can change our whole understanding of life. We can give up our control Repent of our control-seeking, if you like, and trust God who does have control. He's not mean. He is not indifferent. He lovingly allows the complexities of life as a reminder, you need me, come back. The God of all loves us enough to give us both the complexities of life and his Lord Jesus his only son, to die in our place, to give us a way out so that we may have eternal life. Call on him to forgive and live a life now that can be patient and content, whatever comes our way. Verse 8 of our passage, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 8. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all, but let them remember the days of darkness for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Let go of this world and the things we strive after. The life is meaningless. Stop looking for control and fixing everything, and that's where we're aiming. But in Christ Jesus, as those five teenagers will testify this afternoon, life trusting God and his control is incomparably better. The New Testament puts it like this, Romans 8, 22 to 25. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. That's what we've been describing, hasn't it? Groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, 
uh, who have who have the first fruits of the spirit in other words even christians groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship when jesus returns the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we are saved but hope that is seen is no hope at all in other words we don't experience all of it now for who hopes for what they already have but if we hope for what we do not yet have we wait for it patiently. If we have acknowledged that we have no control and we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, then we can live for him as Lord and we can live with him as Lord in great hope and joy and patiently in the complexities of life. Living and enjoying life without fear, without worry, whether our investments or our health or anything else goes well or fails. That is the good news we believe. That is the testimony that each of us has. Just like those teenagers, if we, if we sat down with a piece of paper and worked out what it meant for us, we'd, we'd write similar words. The world knows no other hope, and nor do we. So let's tell others of this hope as we remind ourselves as well. Or perhaps uh, if you're in this room and you realise you, you've just realised you don't have control, you've not taken seriously this idea that we need to relinquish it all to God who is in control, then here is call. Perhaps through your pain, perhaps through your suffering and your difficult times, perhaps because times are good but you know a bad one will come. It's God's way of saying, come back to me. I'm your only hope. Release control, repent, believe, receive the Lord Jesus and his life everlasting, receive peace with God and live a life now that is both full and patient. If that's you, then uh, chat to someone who you know to be a Christian or to uh, anyone you've seen at the front here today. Lizzie was up here, Carl, myself, uh, Tim. This is the most important thing in all of life. We want to live with God in control. Let's trust him. Let me pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, please forgive us for when we've sought to have control or or believed we've had control. Let us see that no one understands your ways. And may we see the complexities and the, the hard times of life as your loving call to remind us, you need me. Come back. Perhaps if some of us have forgotten who we're living for, but we do trust in this, uh, this message and the good news of the Lord Jesus, remind us afresh today that we can come back to you, that we are saved, that our only hope is in you. For all of us, may we live wisely in this world, whether that's through business or thinking or parenting or investments, whatever it might be. But may we never forget you are in control. And we praise you that we have life to its full. We can live this life in patience now. For the Lord Jesus has won it for us through his death. And may we live for you now. To your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.